rise and shine. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to Good Morning Aurora. News, weather, and really cool interviews. Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. morning, Aurora. It is now 8.08 a.m. and it is Monday, August 10th, 2020. A nice Monday outside. Kind of cool, kind of gray-ish, like stormy. It might rain. I hope it does. I hope it rains horribly with great bad weather and thunder and <laughs> all that nice, soothing, violent cacophony of stormy weather. We are Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast, and we are here to say hello to you guys. I hope that you all had a great weekend. We have a wonderful show today. We have a friend of the show, Giselle Gonzalez, with Hi. us. So how you doing this morning? Doing good. Her. All right, all right. Good to see you. Good to see you. Those are live claps with actual hands because we ain't got a clap button yet. Not yet, but it's coming soon. We also got in the house my friend and comrade, my uh, sister from another mister, Christine. Hello there. Good morning. There. All right, good morning. Hunter behind the boards. All right, and then JV, audio, visual, making everybody look good, you know. Um, so we're glad to have you guys with us today, and we've got a, uh, a lot to talk about, and we're going to learn specifically from Giselle about disparities in healthcare in regards to communities of color uh, facing, or excuse me, during the COVID-19 pandemic, but also overall, mm-hmm. and to see what those, um, what those problems have historically been and are in present day. Uh, but first, we want to bring up the... Uh, unrest that's currently taking place in Chicago. It seems that downtown has been closed. Uh, a friend of mine who's a uh, commercial painter texted me at like 3.03 a.m. and was like, yo, uh, Chicago's closed down. Now, he know not to, you know, wake a brother up that early in the morning, <laughs> so I knew it had to be very important. Uh, there's currently looting taking place all along Michigan Avenue. Uh, there has There have been shootouts with the police police have made quote a lot of arrests end quote and recovered at least one gun um a police officer was injured shots were fired in the intersection of streeterville and north michigan avenue uh looting has been reported on state and loop and on the near north side as well by 4 a.m., police said that they had appeared to be getting things under control. Vandalism has continued into our daylight hours. Uh, CTA trains are suspended. The Illinois State Police blocked off ramps and expressways. Bridges across the Chicago River were raised, except for the one on LaSalle Street for emergency vehicles. PNC has been uh, vandalized at Huron and State. Sally Beauty Supply, Grand and Wabash is what appears to be a hot spot right now, uh, clashes with officers. And it appears that the Walton Place and the Drake Hotel are off limits as well. North Michigan Avenue has been hit by looters for months, but this is a, a huge uptick. There was an officer-involved shooting uh, in Inglewood, which would have been last, you know, yesterday evening around 7 o'clock. Uh, it's unclear if this is connected to that. Shots were fired from a passing car, and uh, no officers were hit, but it's gunmen are unknown at this time. Uh, Grand and Wabash seems to be the place where most of the activity is taking place. Uh, This is an interesting statement, though, in this report. The looting began shortly after midnight as people darted through broken store windows and and doors along Michigan Avenue carrying shopping bags full of merchandise. 
cars dropped off more people as the, as the crowd grew. At least one U-Haul van was seen pulling up. Now, I find the ambiguity in that statement, as opposed to all the other specific points, to be somewhat strange. But Paige Fry and Jeremy Garner, who are the authors of this Chicago Tribune uh, article, are good reporters. So ambiguity to the side. Uh, so that's what's going on in Chicago. So for those of our friends who transport or excuse me, uh, travel into Chicago, I think Metro is down as well and not going into Chicago. So that's what's happening there. Uh, we do have some updates um, here in the city of Aurora as well. As you guys know, today is Monday. Free groceries at the citywide pop-up pantry has been a consistent theme on Mondays. So from 9 a.m. till noon at Phillips Park, 1000 Ray Moses Drive, serving over 1,000 families consistently each Monday. The city of Aurora, in conjunction with the Northern Illinois Food Bank, Quad County Urban League, Marie Wilkinson's Food Pantry, and Ward 3 Alderman Ted Masiakos, are serving people, no contact distribution, food is placed in your car, no ID necessary, first come and first served. Uh, the food is delivered in boxes. Shout out to all the volunteers and shout out to the uh, city of Aurora. Now there is dairy box, meat box, and fruit and vegetables box. So that is, um, you know, broken up for you. And that's a good thing. So shout out to all the people who've been feeding people consistently since COVID-19 has been going on. Uh, fourth annual All In for Veterans Charity Ride, the 21st, 2020 to September 20th, help support the veterans today. This is in conjunction with Allen Force. Allen Force is a great um, organization, all veterans, all eras. $25 is the donation. That includes your uh, ride card lanyard, 3x3 All In patch, and your place of or your POI list. Ride packets are mailed on the 15th. We will be making sure that this gets uh, reposted once again. And the last thing that we have to talk about, which is very, 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 very important, is Senior Meal Distribution at the Aurora, Illinois Police Department, Monday, August 17th from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. The Senior Meal Distribution is a drive-through at one, uh, excuse me, 1200 East Indian Trail Road. That's the police headquarters, the big building. Um, you can, to sign up, call either Rep. Stephanie Kiffelwitt at 630-585-1308. Or Rep. Barbara Hernandez, 630-270-1848, both great friends of the show. Adults who are 60 and over and reside in Kane County are eligible for five free frozen meals. You must call to register or be eligible to participate. And that's what we got for our, oh, and that's in conjunction with the Kane Senior Council as well. All right, so those are the updates for the day. We're doing something different. We're doing a weekend recap of how we were over the weekend, okay? Uh, so uh, we'll start off with, with you, Christine. How was your weekend? It was good. Um, I missed First Friday. You did. With good reason, with good reason. <laughs> so my daughter calls me. Actually, she texts me because no, nobody calls anybody anymore. <laughs> um, and she's like, I know you're you're not going. You have First Friday, um, but would you consider being a sub on our kickball team for the night? Not because of my mad kickball skills, right? but because I just needed another girl to balance it out. And I'm like, sure, I w I'm in, I'm in. It was so much fun. I mean, it's modified because of COVID, but uh, it, it was a great time. I haven't played kickball in years, like since I was a kid. And I'm like, mm -hmm. the biggest challenge is like, I can't see the ball anymore. Oh, wow. Like, why is she just kicking rocks? Like, oh. Exactly. thought it was the ball. That's awesome. Hunter, how was your weekend? It was good, man. I, uh, you know, like I 
told you guys I went back down to my hometown of Decatur. Oh, snap. <laughs> Shout out Decatur, Illinois. Yeah, got my hair cut, hung out with the family. And, yeah. All right. You're looking good. The, the, the uh, viewers can't see your hair, but it's jiggy. It's fresh. Oh, snap. Looking good, my man. JV, how was your weekend? Damn, shot up, but he's still alive, y'all. He's still alive. <laughs> nice. And Giselle, how was yours? It was good. It was really it was really nice. It was a very relaxing weekend. Um, I was just telling Juan here that mm-hmm. um finally stayed home, literally didn't get out of my sweatpants and didn't even leave the house. So I was very happy. I did some baking, I did some cooking, some planting. What did you bake? Such I made um lemon loaf and chocolate chip loaf cake. Damn. Um, yeah, I was. I got down on Saturday night. All right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just need those down days yeah. to, you know, re- yeah. rejuvenate and get ready. Definitely. For the oh yeah, no, definitely. It's been some, it's some been some crazy weeks. So, uh, a relaxing weekend was definitely needed. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. Um, I had a great weekend. I am ninety eight percent moved into my new place. Wonderful. It feels great. Hung up my flag yesterday, my Navy flag, so that's fluttering proudly in the breeze. <laughs> um, I hang it up, and one of the neighbor's kids runs over with a bike. Are you in the Army? <laughs> like, bruh. Like, <laughs> I see you can't spell, fool. <laughs> but he's a young kid, you know. So, no, it's uh, but it's it, it feels good. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the thing about moving, I don't know if anybody else has this issue with it. Like, the thing about moving is you don't know how much crap Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like i knew i was leaving stuff and wanted to get you know new stuff for the crib but like i still got boxes i'm like i don't need this no more you know like i Mm -hmm. i just i don't need it why did i bring two cutting boards Mm -hmm. you know i don't need two cutting boards i just need (laughs) one so that's how my weekend was it was pretty good um so we're gonna get into what we need to talk about today and that is interviewing you (laughs) glad that you you. sat down with us you wear (laughs) so many hats so uh, you yeah. brought them all oh, yeah. to the to the show today. <laughs> um, so first off, for our viewers and our listeners, mm-hmm. um, who you, uh, tell us who you are and where you're from. Yeah, so my name is Giselle Gonzalez. Um, I was basically born and raised in Montgomery. Um, I lived there all my life. I, I attended Oswego East High School out in Oswego. And, um, I have family here in Aurora, so I grew up here in Aurora and um, and I mean, basically, Aurora is like where the Latinos are at, you know. So <laughs> that's where my family was at. Too. Does Montgomery have Latinos? They now they do actually. Yeah. Um, and so this is this is the conversation that I was having with my brother um, because we were just talking about our local board, Kendall County Board. It is not diverse at all, and it doesn't represent what our community now looks like. You know, maybe ten years ago wasn't so diverse, but when we look at it now and we see the businesses that are opening up in Montgomery and the Kendall County area, it's definitely a more diverse community. Now, I forgot you know? that Montgomery was Kendall yeah. as opposed to Kane I County. I think, yeah, I think there's a small portion of Montgomery that is still Kane County, mm-hmm. but I think the majority of it um, going towards the Oswego side is Kendall, yeah. Uh, what's your educational background? So I currently, um, I attend Wabanza Community College. I'm majoring in biology as a pre-med. And so I'm hoping to get, um, transfer out and get my bachelor's and my master's in public health and apply to medical school. So that's the, that's the big dream. (laughs) Word up. Uh, Growing up, what impact did your dad have on your life? Yeah, I think that um, definitely seeing the disparities. um, I, I think the disparities that I saw in healthcare with my family was really what impacted me to do the work that I do now. Um, 
I think I saw my dad get injured um, at a really young age at work, um, and he fractured his um, one of the um, disc in his vertebrae, and never got never got treatment for it because he didn't have medical insurance, and we simply at the time couldn't afford him getting into surgery and him doing that recovery because at the time he was the only one making money, and so um, so he never got surgery. Um, until this day, it's still an ongoing problem, and so seeing that and having to rely on a lot of um like medical treatments a lot of natural remedies um even now seeing my mom get sick and not just my parents but seeing other family members of ours i think that really made an impact in um in my childhood in my life um and i think that's what really kind of got me into um you know doing the work that i do now yeah interesting next one (laughs) (laughs) we're learning each other's interview style that's what's so fun about this (laughs) um so i've my personally in my background Mm -hmm. i haven't experienced too much discrimination Mm -hmm. in regards to my personal health care so that is to say with with the exception of long wait lines Mm -hmm. or you know a uh angry, rude yeah. nurse or, or yeah. staff person at a hospital. I haven't experienced what I would consider some of the discrimination that you are talking mm-hmm. about and other organizations talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, in this COVID time, how bad is discrimination mm-hmm. amongst different communities when they try to get treatment? Yeah, so I think, first, one of the things that I really, when this pandemic, you know, just literally threw down on us, um, one of the things that I, that I really said is that this this COVID did not discriminate. Like COVID did not care if you were undocumented, documented, your skin color, none of that. I mean, COVID was got to everyone, but it got to certain populations and to certain communities at a higher rate than it did um, with other communities. And so um, we see that discrimination in healthcare is not always that direct verbal or that direct aggressiveness um that you one may receive but rather it's very at times institutionalized or it's very subtle and so um with covid for example we saw the lack of testing centers at the beginning of covid centers in communities of color um we saw the extremely long lines here in our community at our covid testing center um and so not only that but then when you think about already what factors are installed in our healthcare system that only made folks who who unfortunately got COVID only made it more difficult for them. So, for example, undocumented. I I I speak a lot on the document on the undocumented community just because I've been working for it for them since I was like in high school and my parents are immigrants, so it's a little closer to me. But um, for example, with undocumented folks, um, we saw a lot of factory workers um, who were getting. Um, who were contracting COVID mm-hmm. because their empl- their employers were not providing proper protection, proper PPE. Right. They were not practicing social distancing. These folks were contracting COVID. A lot of them were undocumented. They can't afford to lose their jobs, um, and they don't have insurance. They don't have um, don't have the financial economical needs to be able to receive proper health care. So these folks were literally left with no access to nothing, no access to care. Um, and folks do not want to go to the hospital to get this $5,000, $10,000 hospital bill. Nobody does. Right. Um, and so we see that that discrimination, those tactics are very subtle 
or very institutionalized that we may not directly see it, but it's still there and it's still affecting folks. And so, I mean, till now we saw at the beginning of COVID, we saw how um, the virus, I mean, really affected, this is disproportionately affected black folks. Um, and then we later saw how it started affecting Latinx communities and how high the, the, the COVID rates were and um, specifically Latinx communities out in Chicago. So, right. Yeah. Um, so there's an aspect of this that when I read, when, when I see the, the, um, the totals mm -hmm. and the health, mm -hmm. uh, or excuse me, the, um, how it's affecting communities of color, especially in their work environments. Mm -hmm. I know I used to work in factories. Like I have worked in that environment. Yeah. So when I'm reading these stories, mm -hmm. I know exactly yeah. how decrepit yeah. How janky the staff mm -hmm. is and the managers and all that stuff. I worked at Ecolabs in uh, Elk Grove Village mm -hmm. for a long time. Mm -hmm. Look, it's just like jail, but you're getting paid. Yeah, yeah. It's bad. It's horrible. Like It's, it's just like jail, yeah. but you're getting paid. I mean, you know, maybe people are in the gulag in Russia. It's not that far from mm -hmm. what's actually happening in these yeah. different places. I mean... It is an environment I do not miss at all, mm -hmm. but I know exactly how it is. Like, mm -hmm. the people who are working there, it's funny how the world works, right? Yeah. You got to have this. You got to have that. Right. You got to be blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. You got to be this tall. You got to pass a test. But yet, if you're in a meatpacking plant mm -hmm. or you at Smithfield mm -hmm. or Butterball, not naming no names, mm -hmm. right, then shit. Who knows if you might get the chance to see the doctor? Who knows right. if your supervisor is going to be able to pass out effective? Mm -hmm. Nobody gives mm -hmm. a shit. And Nobody, if you don't yeah. come to work, they'll replace you. Yeah. Like that. They yeah. don't care if you're 65 years old and mm -hmm. got diabetes and you can only stand on your feet for mm -hmm. an hour at a time. They don't give a shit. They will replace you so quick. And it's it's a racket. Yeah. It is a racket. Yeah. Yeah. It's extremely. It, it really hit home for me. Um because my mom has worked in factories literally her entire life. I mean, she just probably left, stopped working factories maybe like about two years ago or a year ago. Um, and so to think that she could have been in that same position yep. with COVID, I mean, it really hit home for me. And so um, when we saw just how bad, I mean, the managers, supervisors, they literally – Literally, I I just cannot emphasize this enough. Do not care. They don't give a shit. They don't they about don't. the well being of their employees to the point where Trust me. Yeah. I once heard someone tell 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 us that um, and and this is through my job as I work with uh, state representative Karina Villa. So this mm -hmm. is my job through her when we have constituents reaching out to her office. Um, a lot of these folks only speak Spanish, so they will call us and they will literally tell us like um. You know, like either my manager wants to charge me to give me gloves mm -hmm. or they want to charge me to give me hand sanitizer or, you know, like um, they told me if I don't show up, I'm going to get fired and yeah. like I can't afford to not work, but I don't want to get anyone else sick. Like I was so shocked and not shocked to hear those things. And so um, it's yeah, it's it's extremely disappointing to see that certain people out here that they think that that's not true, though. They right. think that these people are like, oh, come on, oh, man. Oh, you're exaggerating, yeah. Come on, buddy, are you telling yeah. me that the manager told him? Right, that if you get... yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk Planned Parenthood, Yeah. if we can. Definitely. Uh, one of the reasons why I'm glad to have you on this show and glad for other people who have had stake in some of these other positions mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. that there is a lot of either white noise right. or 
misconception. Yeah. It's good to have a person who actually works in this profession to mm-hmm. be on the show to tell us about mm-hmm. it. Um, I, I, I've heard and read so much <laughs> about the evils yeah. and the, uh, the, the factory mm-hmm. that this place is. What's it mm-hmm. like working for Planned Parenthood? It's great. Um, I am extremely happy to be working with Planned Parenthood. And I don't say this because I'm biased, but I really, I love the work that I do. Um, I, I'm working in, in, um, uh, in, in the world of an organization of healthcare, which is my passion, which is what I love, specifically um, reproductive health, reproductive justice. That mm-hmm. for me is like, that's my passion directly. And so, I mean, especially being a woman of color and we see the disparities that women of color have with accessing their reproductive health. And so I'll, I'll speak a little bit about my what my work directly. Um, so I am the Raiz Fellow for Affiliate here um, mm-hmm. in Palm Parenthood of Illinois. And so what really the work that Raiz does is that we we want Latinx folks to know about their reproductive health, know that they can access reproductive health care. Um, and it's much more than just health, right? Like it, we say that Raiz is about power, about justice, and about knowledge. Um, because it's really all about that. Like we, we're not just focusing on healthcare, but you know we're focusing on on undocumented folks. We're focusing on police brutality. I mean, we're focusing on a whole bunch of things because what we don't realize is that racism and all these other factors that play into knowing if um, if DACA is going to get rescinded or not, knowing that you have folks in your family who are undocumented, that you yourself may be undocumented, directly impact your health, your your health. I mean, your physical health, your well being, and so that's why it's so crucial that this work goes hand in hand. Um, and of course, like we've seen historically, um, the the trauma that women of color, the Latinas, have had when it comes to um, their reproductive freedom. I mean, back in the um, and, I, and I always, I always forget. I don't know if it's the like late seventies or even probably night in the nineties. Um, in the Los Angeles hospitals, um, Latina women were getting sterilized without their knowledge, without mm-hmm. their consent. And so, um, and even now historically, we see um, women of color continue to have barriers for them to access reproductive health care. And I think that. That's what, um, as far as the Raiz work does, we want to make sure that folks know, and especially like in, in our communities, like in communities of color and households that are first generation immigrant families, like it, talking about sex, talking about reproductive health, talking about your reproductive anatomy, it is a very taboo subject. Like, of course. We do not, how many of us have actually gotten like the talk? Like none of us, like I did not, like I got the talk on you're bleeding, this is what you got to do, and that's about it. And so, but, you know, you don't really get an actual talk and you're left really without knowledge, without knowing, like, what's going to happen or, or, or what's what's next. And so I think that, um, A, it's such a taboo subject in our community. B, there's already so many institutionalized barriers that that that, that um, restricts us from being able to access health care. And so, um, you know, with RAIS, we, we host a lot of platicas where we talk about these this stuff. I mean, we talk about what has been our experiences with reproductive health. Like What's what, a platica? A platica is a chart. It was, I was just going to say in another term in Spanish. <laughs> yeah, girl, you got to yeah. hey, you gotta so, break it down for some parts down. of the audience. Yeah, I know what the a hell platica. she was <laughs> A platica is a talk. It's okay. literally, we, we put, um, we bring some folks together. And this was before COVID. Um, we, we used to bring some co- some folks together and just have a talk on a certain subject. And so we just have a talk on, on our experiences being Latinx with 
um, with with uh, or experiences with reproductive health and just have a plática around that. And um, we've we've heard different things. Folks have gotten in the talk. Others have not. Others were simply told be safe and that's about it. And so it's been really unique seeing um, the experiences that, that our community has. And so. Um, but ultimately, um, you know, that that's really my work with Planned Parenthood is uh, it's about it's about advocating for folks. It's about having talks. It's about um, letting them know that that access to health care is there for them, um, because we do believe that health care is a human right. Yeah, you hit on a great point mm -hmm. where you're talking about girls just not knowing. And a lot of it is more reactive mm -hmm. than proactive. Mm -hmm. Um, when, when people find out now they need your help, mm -hmm. there's some, you know, something happened or now they have a problem mm -hmm. or they're pregnant, that's when, you know, again, the real issue comes in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And um, we do offer a variety of services at Planned Parenthood from pl family planning to, um, to accessing birth control to, um, and I really um, emphasize some of the programs that we have at Planned Parenthood, such as um, what, what are the programs that I really talk about. And when I talk to uh, communities who may not have access to health insurance is our ABC program. Um, which allows some folks to qualify for free birth control. Um, and a lot of women didn't know that, and they were like, wait, what, I could get free birth control? And so, um, and especially in communities where um, women are scared, women do not want to talk about that, or they simply cannot afford it, um, having someone tell them a bit about, like, hey, you can access free birth control, it, it's really, it, it's, a, it's a really big thing for them. And so... Um, I, I have like I share this story that we were tabling once with I was tabling once with my coworker, um, and we had this lady come up um, to our table. We had a whole bunch of information. It was after a presentation that we did, and she was like, "I'm gonna take two um, two pamphlets because uh, one for me and one for my friend." And we were like, "Well, tell your friend to come over. Like, we'll talk to her." And she was like, "Well, she's shy because there's guys around, and so that's how taboo like this can be for some for some folks." And so. We want to be sure that we're there for them um, and reminding them that, you know, we're there to serve them. So cultural taboos. Yeah. Um, a lack of the education starting mm -hmm. in the household. Um, are those larger barriers and obstacles mm -hmm. than the institutional biases that are already in the healthcare system? Definitely. I think that, I mean, it starts within... Our household it starts within our own families. Um, it's not talked about, um, you know, and I think that that's where we start to break some of those um, generational curses or generational, um, you know, traditions that we've seen. And, and now, you know, having these open dialogues with our families, with our children, with our, you know, um, significant others about um, being open about sexual and reproductive health because it, it is what it is. Like we can, you know, we can't taboo it. Um, because it, it's simply, it's our human body. And so, right. um, so yeah, I, I think that it definitely starts with us breaking some of those generational practices um, that have been there for, for years, for decades. The time is now 8.34 a.m., and you are listening to Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast, and we are here with Giselle Gonzalez in a great discussion. What's the most ridiculous thing mm -hmm. you ever heard about Planned Parenthood? Um, what was the whopper? The one where you were just like, <laughs> I can't believe. So I haven't, I, I don't think I, I worked, I, um, I started working in Planned Parenthood back in November. I haven't experienced anything directly. I mean, we have a lot of protesters outside our clinics. Y'all do. The one on New York street, right? Yeah. The one on New York street. Dedicated. Yeah. Very dedicated folks. Um, but, um, 
and you know they'll be out there doing their thing and you know but um i haven't experienced anything too crazy um i know some of the aurora catholic kids get extra credit if they go there and protest they do. <laughs> um but yeah i mean i haven't experienced anything too crazy i've seen some wild signage and Im- yeah. imagery yeah. um because you got uh, it's by Mariano's, right? And yeah, there's right the to... yeah, there's the drive, and then mm-hmm. there's Hunter, Hunter's Glen Apartments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have seen some like the tall street to like mm-hmm. of like fetuses and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, they can be very um, triggering. Who's doing that, they're very um, they they're just very inappropriate at times. I mean, they say a lot of things on sometimes even like abuse. It's very classless. Things. Yeah, with a lot of the things that, that they scream at folks or that they yell or whatever. Um, and so luckily we have some amazing escorts at our clinic who are volunteers and, um, you know, there's music playing so that it can kind of block off what the protesters are saying when patients are walking into the clinic. Um, but it's, 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 yeah, it's something that I still can't grasp on because these folks simply want to access healthcare, and I don't understand what's so difficult for them <laughs> to understand that people just want to access healthcare, their reproductive healthcare. They want to take care of themselves. They want to take care of the bodies of their health, and you know, and we don't want people yelling at them. And so we have escorts, we have music playing, um, because we, we, you know, we really do care about our patients. So living in Kendall County, mm-hmm. are Kendall County's um, health is the Kendall County Health System fair and balanced towards Latinx and communities of color? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it better than the Kane County system? Mm-hmm. Or is are there, you know, issues with both? Mm-hmm. How do you see them? I think that um, I wouldn't say that one is better than the other. Um, I think both has its disparities. Um, both can do much better. But I think that... For example, as far as um, I, I'm a scribe at Rush Copley, and so um, that's kind of how I get some of my medical experience. Um, and as far as like the amount of patients that I've seen who are Spanish speaking, um, it's I mean it's a huge number. And so I do definitely think that like hospitals should have better access to making sure that there's translators there for um, for patients, not just bringing in someone who speaks Spanish from the front desk or, you know, a nurse or, or whatever it may be. I mean, there needs to be professional medical translators there to be able to properly translate for folks, because if there is a language barrier, then that means that that person is not receiving the proper health care that they deserve. You just brought up a crazy memory I just had in yeah. my mind. I used to work, my first job out of the Navy was Edward Hospital. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, boy, that was an experience. Yeah, I've heard something. And, <laughs> and uh, I remember, I recall a, many mm-hmm. an incident where like a patient uh, could not speak English, right? Mm-hmm. And so the nurse, so you got, so people who don't know how a hospital works, you have nurses, you got the nurse staff, then you have PCTs, which are patient care mm-hmm. technicians. They're like, you know, I, I don't mean this in that pejorative way, but they're like the assistant to the nurse, mm-hmm. kind of, you know. Um, and you get patients who don't speak English. Yeah. And these nurses or some of these PCTs who come from, like, you know, exclusive backgrounds, mm-hmm. they'll go get the trash guy. Mm-hmm. Juan or somebody just to come translate, and it's like that is the that is the level that they care yeah. about assuaging. They right. just need the first. They don't give a shit mm-hmm. what he's talking about. Right. Just make me 
make him understand that I'll be here at six o'clock. Mm-hmm. That's that's it. Mm-hmm. And you know, even though being a brother and non-Latino, like I was looking at that, I was like, yo, that's could you imagine yeah. like being Honduran and not speaking English, and here you are, mm-hmm. and you're messed up, and like Shorty doesn't give a shit about you. Mm-hmm. She doesn't care. Like, yeah. yo, she just wants to get, just take your pill and get back on Facebook. It's crazy. Right. right. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And I think that it's it's gotten to the point where, I like, people don't understand that. If that individual is not being spoken to in their language that they understand, that they feel comfortable with, then they're not going to understand what's exactly going on with them. And so... Or at least being treated or as the other treated. patient is. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. And then... Okay, Oh, no. And it has to be, again, that same gender, because yeah. me talking to you would probably be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Having Juan try to translate <laughs> and me tell him all my business yeah. would not you know, be comfortable yeah. for a woman. Definitely. I think that's why it's, it's important um, for us to have, a, a good, I mean, enough translators so that we give mm-hmm. patients the option to choose. Well, I choose, um, you know, I choose a woman, I choose a man or whatever it may be for them with whatever they feel the most comfortable with, yeah. yeah. What type of language services do you offer at Planned Parenthood? So I don't offer language services directly. I mean, I, I speak Spanish. Like, I, I, my first language is Spanish, and then I, I learn English in school, <laughs> in elementary school. So, but I mean, when I'm out in the community and folks who don't speak English, I speak Spanish directly to them. And so um, I think that's what's important about the RAIS program is that um, it's Latinx folks working with Latinx folks. And so it's we're, we're working within our own community. Um, and a lot of times, I mean, like in our meetings, I mean, we'll speak Spanish because it's just how we feel more comfortable with speaking. And it's our language. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Kind of the way, like, you know, how brothers speak when when, you know, when it's all the brothers and then when we get back on the job. Yes, Bill, I'll have that right for you. Yo, <laughs> your boy tripping, though. For real, man, yeah. I'm about to take my break. I don't care, fool. Um, but, yeah, so here's the thing. Here's what I'd like to know from you. Mm-hmm. What's the best thing about the immigrant, uh, the, uh, immigrant and undocumented community in Aurora to you? Mm-hmm. I think that it's... I think the the immigrant community in general. I mean, it's we're extremely hardworking. Um, I I really I truly do say that the work ethic that I have and why I'm able to wear so many hats even outside of Planned Parenthood is because of the work ethic that my parents and specifically my dad really um, instilled in me because he worked up to three jobs, um, literally like first first shift, evening shift, and then a midnight shift, and um, and my dad has literally never stopped working since he migrated to his country over 20 years ago. Um, and when I see, when I'm out here in the community and I'm out here working or I'm out here simply just coming out to eat, um, I see that reflected in our community. And I see that with the businesses that are here operating. Um, the business that I own is a business that my father started. And my father started cleaning houses out here on the east side for like $40 <laughs> per house. And so um, it, it's really, I think we're extremely hardworking. But I, I also want to, to emphasize that we do not want to view immigrants for what they bring to this country or for what they can provide, what their labor could do, but rather they're simply humans. And that alone should give them the value that they deserve, not to what they can provide or what the work that they can do. We're extremely hardworking, and there's no question about it. Um, but I don't think we should... Um, make immigrants view as uh, is if they're not hardworking or they don't provide for this country, 
don't provide for this country, then they're not worth being here because they're humans and they deserve to be here. Um, but I think if, when we think about our community, um, I think we're extremely hardworking. I mean, we're very resilient. Um, when there's ice rates going on, I mean, our community backs us up. We have the Aurora Rapid Response Team here. Shout Who's out there? to the Aurora Rapid oh, Response yeah. Team. Shout out to them, yeah, because they're there responding and verifying if there is ice in our communities to make sure that folks are safe. So. Sandra Gonzalez, what up? We're yes, going to holler. Girl. Part three is coming <laughs> soon. I hit you on the DMs, but that's coming soon, so stay tuned for that. Uh, where'd your... Well, where'd your dad immigrate from? Mexico. My Mexico? parents are from Mexico, yeah. Okay. When was that? He migrated here over 20 years ago. It's so crazy because my dad literally says that um, he's when he goes back to his country, he's not even, he's like, I don't even know what I'm going to do there because I, I'm not native to it no more. He's like, I'm so used to being here. Everything I have is here. So, yeah, he migrated here over 20 years ago. My mom about 20 years ago as well. Um, and so he's been here since, like, early mid 80s i think yeah so you are the daughter of immigrants a yes. published author first generation <laughs> founder of nonprofits, speaker social entrepreneur future physician and you bake <laughs> but you brought us you brought us no cake but i promise <laughs> i'll bring you some i'll bring you some <laughs> we had uh it was actually interesting because we had a couple of gifts last week it was very cool uh dapper brews Shout out to yeah, yeah, he brought us uh, he brought us some coffee, matcha matcha latte, and then you had the which one did you take? I have the entire bag of beans that I've yes, used yes. this weekend. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're kind of getting like used to it. Like, oh, people bring us gifts. It's, it's so nice. nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, tell us about your book. Yeah. So, um, so I um I was a co-author for the uh, Young Latina Talks. Um, okay. Well, the Young Latina Stories. Um, I did a talk back in, um, like a year ago, Juan, I mean, Juan was there, but <laughs> and that was like, like a year ago. Um, and I did a talk and I talked about, um, about uh, being, uh, an angry woman and being, uh, the importance of representation and everything. An angry that woman? We do. Yes. Yeah. So I talked about how I've always been told I am very angry or that I have a very quick temper, even from a little girl. Like I was always told I talk a lot. I have a quick temper, whatever. And so, you know, growing up, more of embracing that rather than rejecting it. Um, and so I talked about that in my talk, in my book. And then I'm now in the process of writing um, The Influence of Latinas in the Medical Field, which is a book that's going to be uh, put together with uh, stories of different Latinas who are either in medical school, pre-med, or practicing physicians. Um, and so I connected with Latinas from all over the country. and. Um, who are pursuing medicine, and um, they're going to have their stories in a book, and um, hopefully that gets published um, mid-November to early November of this year. What's the best book you ever read, my bad? Oh, that is hard because I'm such a bookworm. <laughs> um, wow. Oh, that's a really good question. Told you, this hey, the second largest city is first. <laughs> do we do our homework here? <laughs> <laughs> That's hard to answer because it's. I, I really am a huge bookworm. You um, are. I was lurking. I was lurking on your Instagram, <laughs> and you are a book reader. You got a <laughs> lot of literary works and shout outs and snippets and things like that. Thank you. So yeah, that's where that came. That yeah. question came from. Well, when this came up, ooh, sorry. Go ahead. You sure? Okay. <laughs> um, here's. I saw that you were reading a couple books. Yeah. One was uh, Latino Heart. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Tell me about that book. Yeah, so um, 
so I actually got introduced to that book through my mentor Uli. So shout out to Uli. <laughs> shout out Uli. Um, and so when I started college, I I mean I came from a Zuli, so I came from a predominantly white white institution. So I didn't. I was having like a damn near identity crisis. Like I didn't know how I identify. I didn't know. You, you know, like our parents don't want us to be rejected, so they make us assimilate to the to the culture, which is really quote unquote the white culture. And so, you know, and I never assimilated to that in high school because I just felt that I was extremely different to my peers, and I really was. I mean, I wasn't. All my peers were going to you know their school sports or whatever, or you know they were hanging out with friends. After I didn't have that, I had to go home. I had to help my brother do his homework. I had to help my parents clean because my parents were working. I didn't have time to be out here like hanging out, you know, whatever. Like I had, I had stuff to do at the crib, and so um, I never really reflected myself with my peers, and so. Um, I was having an identity crisis. I didn't know who my people were. I didn't know who my community was. I didn't have a community in, in, in Oswego and, and where I live because nobody looked like me. Nobody related to my experiences. And so um, it wasn't until I started college that I found my people. I found my community. I found people that I can relate to, that share the same experiences as me, that I can sit back and, and, you know, and just talk about life and feel like we can relate and Uli was one of my first mentors who really um, introduced me to literature, specifically Latinx literature that talked about our history as Latinx folks, as Chicanos. Um, and I, I, I knew that I identified as a Latina, as a Chicana. I reject being identified as Hispanic because I believe that's a colonizer term. Uh, to colonizer term, sorry. And so um, he introduced me to, um, to, to that book. And so, um, yeah, so it was one of my, it was, it's just a book that I, that I really cherish. And, but I will say, I just got done reading Becoming from Michelle Obama and I am a huge Michelle Obama fan and I absolutely adore that book. Like I'll put Becoming on like my top five for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great book about just like yeah. her culture, I love the community it. and the involvement. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Oh yeah. I love that her, um, her mom really reminded me of my dad, her mom's parenting reminded me of my dad's parenting. So it was a really nice book to read just cause it really kind of made me reflect on my own life and my own experiences. Yeah. We got to send a, uh, email to Michelle Obama see if she can come yeah on. right she can come on over <laughs> <laughs> on yeah we're shooting I, for the stars what I started reading this weekend too it's a book as we were talking about this it's a book called Black Man in a White Coat oh I have that book yes it's I love by it. Dr. Damon mm -hmm. Tweedy would mm -hmm. like this and it's again just basically his story mm -hmm. about going to medical school um, and when he went to Duke and he walks in the room the first problem he has is they're like, oh, are you here to fix the lights? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it gets into like yeah. a lot of the different racial disparities, mm -hmm. um, just the problems that the young girls that come into mm -hmm. the clinics or whatever that are pregnant or, you know, it's a lot of good, good content in there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what? I've been confused for a nurse. I've been confused for, um, I got even confused for a chef once because I had a white coat on. And I'm like, out of everything that you can confuse me with, you thought I was a chef. Like, are you serious? I'm walking in the street. Where the where's the restaurant now? <laughs> right. Like, and so I. Yeah. White people are crazy, right? Yeah, literally. With shit like that. Yeah, like, they, it's like they think of everything else. It's like their mind goes extremely <laughs> everywhere else besides like what's actually like what actually I am. And so, um, yeah, I mean, there's so many, there's so many. Stories. When I worked at Edward, I was a sterile processor. Mm -hmm. We cleaned all of the equipment in large packs. Uh, it's you know, it's a, you you wheel it in. For like uh, sur uh, surgical procedures, OBGYN, mm -hmm. all that, right? And it's amazing. 
it's it, it never ceased to amaze me that like it was just me. I worked third shift, had a pager. Mm-hmm. I'm the only dude down there. Your packs are coming from your boy, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, you go up there to assess the scene, and like these doctors and these nurses mm-hmm. and all that. Hey, buddy, you can't be in here. Come on, mm-hmm. come on, man. You know, you can't be in here. Yet, bruh. Yeah. I mean, I, you got to, <laughs> I need you to sign this. Though. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, it's like, crazy. like the, you know, as soon yeah. as they see you coming down the hall, you can't come this way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm your sterile processor. Yeah. Oh, I've never seen you before. Like, just shut up and sign it. Like, you yeah. Know? Oh, they always say, that. oh, I've never seen you here before. <laughs> right. I've got it I know you haven't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> Um, so I think uh, this here's what I like about this conversation and kind of why I asked it from the beginning mm-hmm. of trying to highlight the uh, some of the barriers within our own communities that we have set up mm-hmm. the taboo nature of discussion, mm-hmm. the unwillingness to uh, talk about it within our own cultures, mm-hmm. depending on how some people look at it, the primacy of religion and how abortion is bad. So, of course, oh, yeah. one does not go to the Planned Parenthood. Yeah. I see some of the structures that we have in place as people of color mm-hmm. as bad or, in fact, maybe worse mm-hmm. than some of the things we have to deal with. It's like I feel like we're not helping ourselves. Mm-hmm. No, definitely, yeah. We're not helping ourselves get ready for mm-hmm. what we'll experience in a lot of these places. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the best thing that we can do as people of color to break that down? I think it starts... I really, it sounds really bad, but, like, our folks, our older mm-hmm. folks, like, our parents, or grandparents, they're stubborn. It's kind of, like, it sounds bad, but they're kind of, like, a lost cause at this point. Like, No, yeah, I feel you. They're not going to change their minds. No. But I think that by having, you know, like, we have these platicas, these talks with, with community members, we start getting folks to at least have the conversation. And I think with anything, whether it's it's reproductive health care, whether it's racial equity, whether it's social equity, whatever it is, it starts with a conversation with holding folks accountable. And so I think that we need to hold ourselves accountable in breaking those curses and saying like, okay, my children, you know, like I don't have any kids, but you know, when I have children, I'm going to be sure to have open dialogues about this stuff. I want my children to know about their, their, their reproductive organs to know, you know, um, and of course age appropriate always, but, um, to know that, um, you know, there's much more than the taboo that it's this scary thing or that it's this, like, you know, like, um, very, like, um, nobody knows or can nobody, I have to keep this to myself. Because um, I think that causes more harm. Um, you know, we see how women are, we just saw this with WAP, with the new Cardi B song. Like, we saw how women are not, um, when women celebrate their sexuality, they're rejected. But when men say the same thing about women, it's celebrated. And so, you know, we need to start rejecting the notion of people wanting to celebrate the sexuality, of people wanting to be open with their sexuality. And so it starts within ourselves. It starts within our communities, having these dialogues in our communities, and then bringing it back home and holding ourselves accountable and saying that we're going to create some change within our families. That's deep. <laughs> That's deep as hell, yo. That's deep. I'm trying to mentally, like, climb out of that. That was deep. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think that with this new, like, like I said, I was I was home weekends. I was like on social media the entire weekend, and I saw that there was a lot of um, negative feedback uh, from the new Cardi B Megan The Stallion song, which we stand, I stand, but um, you know, we saw 
they were being called, you know, all these things um, because they were talking about what they expect from men or what they expect from their sexual encounters. And, but when we hear men talk about these same things and we say and we hear men say, I want this, I want that, and she better do this and she better do that, it's like it's not rejected. But when women say it, it's extremely rejected and it's frowned upon. And so I'm old enough to remember Adina Howard. Um, so, yeah, you know, we've we've heard that kind of talk before yeah but no it is true um and i think that uh in all seriousness music especially for communities of color and young Mm -hmm. people plays a huge role Mm -hmm. in shaping their um their mentality and what they see and think about themselves especially you know i i think of so many young people i know who view themselves as like real n-words and i'm a real mother effer and all this other kind of stuff and it's like (laughs) what they what they what they view themselves as based on what they hear on the radio Mm -hmm. or on the record is not going to get them the kind of respect Mm -hmm. that they want or that they're seeking, or mm-hmm. that their parents want for them, mm-hmm. you know? And it's because, like, I'm a dad. Like, I love rap music, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, as as aggressive as possible, right? But for heaven's sake, I'm constantly reminded, like, my son, I don't listen to rap music around my son. Because mm-hmm. he's not old enough. And not, But, like, not even that. Yeah, he's not old enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, nah, mm-hmm. right? Like, can't do it yeah can't do it it's yeah. like a treat for me now mm-hmm. it's like when he's doing something i'll go in the office and like <laughs> blast a little you yeah. know project pat or something like that right <laughs> uh but no like yeah. i want him to view himself i'd love it if he never listened to rap music at all mm-hmm. um but yeah i want him to view himself as mm-hmm. as different you know what i'm saying yeah. um this is a really good discussion the time is now 8.57 a.m. You're listening to Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. We're speaking with Giselle mm-hmm. Gonzalez today. Um, damn, the time be flying. Yeah, it really, yeah, did. really did. Shit. <laughs> we got to make like an hour and a half show, right? <laughs> right? We got to do it like for real, for real. Like, yo, this is the four-hour show. <laughs> we got four guests, hour each. Um yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Platicas. Uh, so the show, we like to end the show on a positive note. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can already see here that we are going to, we got to develop a part two. We got to develop a little something, something. I think we got <laughs> more to talk more about. To, to say about. Oh, this. yeah, definitely. Uh, the show, we like to end the show on a positive note. What is something that the people of Aurora should take with them mm-hmm. going into this Monday and this week that they can act on that's actionable and, and positive? Mm-hmm. Dialogue, I think dialogue is everything. And I think right now, especially within our community, not just with, with I know we talked a lot about reproductive health or healthcare, but just with everything going on, we just saw, you know, what's going on in Chicago today. I think our communities, especially communities of color right now are hurting. And I think that we need to do a lot of healing and healing starts with dialogue and starts with talking and starts with honest conversation. And so I think we can start this week by, reflecting on our experiences and moving forward and saying that, you know, I need to start having dialogues on whatever it could be with whatever community I need to be having these dialogues with. Right. Yeah. I'm feeling that. What about you? What do you think? 
think just kind of adding on to what you were saying, I think just getting the resources, going to the doctor, mm-hmm. making the appointment, there's always something that we're yeah. all neglecting. Yeah. So go talk to somebody, whether it's, you know, Planned Parenthood mm-hmm. because you're having, you know, reproductive issues mm-hmm. or just in general, well care. Yeah, definitely. Like, and take those steps. Healthcare is a human right, y'all. So. It is. Healthcare is a human right. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we end, I want to, let's, let's, okay, right, let's mash that up. What does it say about America mm-hmm. that the idea of healthcare being a human right for large swaths of the population mm-hmm. is communist? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or something bad. Huh? Yeah. What is it? What, 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 what the hell does that say? about um, I mean, in I, your opinion yeah i think that there's a lot of things <laughs> that we can talk about this country's not doing right but especially right now with covid but <laughs> should we just end the damn thing right we, now? Yeah, we, <laughs> you know we got what? another hour you know, <laughs> you know what yeah we might have to just chop that we're gonna have to chop that but i think that folks deserve the right to access not just health care but quality quality health care and th- by quality i mean you get an interpreter if you need one you make sure that your questions are answered and you make sure that you can afford and purchase a medication that you may need um because i think that or livelihood or health i mean it- it's how we live why are we not helping folks why are we not why are folks not able to access that what's to and this is me personally I don't understand what's so complicated about folks wanting to access healthcare, or, or, or wanting, or wanting to, <laughs> or, or wanting to just simply get healthier. And so, and you would think that there's nothing wrong with that, but obviously, within our country, in our country, that seems to be a big problem. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's yeah, we can probably go for another two hours talking about this topic, but. Um, yeah, help, folks deserve deserve to access um, healthcare. There's, I don't see the, um, I don't see any anything. It's else. like the people who are against it think that it doesn't include them, either. right? Like, what is? What, yeah. Y- yes, Betty Smith. Yeah. That means you too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Eighty-seven years old, oxygen yeah. machine, still smoking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I think a lot of these things got politicized, just like COVID got politicized, and it turned into this. Um, left-wing, right-wing, Democrat, Republican thing. And that is where we stop the show. Yep. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm just right, right. Yeah. No, I'm just <laughs> to be I'll continued. Just, right, right, right. Because that's actually, yeah, that's, you yeah. know. Oh, the, part two coming up. You already know. We, 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 we chopping that. Oh, I'll be happy. I'll be happy, too. All right. Well, this was a wonderful, wonderful, very informative, very good show. Learned a lot and got a chance to speak to someone who is doing a, a good amount, a lot for not only your community, but all communities as well. Uh, and I, I do like that you planted the flag of Kendall County mm-hmm. needing to reflect its updated population and everything right. like that, as opposed to uh, uh, Kane County as well. Yeah. Uh, this was good because, again, talking to people about the things that they do mm-hmm. and that the, uh, the professions that they're in, mm-hmm. 
you learn a lot more mm -hmm. than reading something on just, you know, reading it or reading the comments online or stuff like that. So I'm glad that you took the time to come and sit with us today. Thank you. And I'll thank you guys for having me. This was this was great. So thanks, everyone. And thank you for being our very first live video interview, too. <laughs> it's fresh. That's why if you, if you guys, the listeners heard it, that was me like peeping and like, oh, what? It looks good. I didn't know it wasn't on mute, though. All right. So the time is now 9.03 a.m. You've been listening to Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. We've been, uh, it's been a pleasure to speak to Giselle Gonzalez. We look forward to seeing you guys here tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock a.m. for the next live stream in the news. And with that, we're out.